Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. Thrilled that you tuned in this morning uh, to pick it up where we left off. We're in our summer playlist, and so we are looking for God, truth, grace, and meaning in contemporary music. Um, Marshall McLuhan, who was a Canadian theorist, he contended that all media in and of themselves, and regardless of the messages they communicate, they exert a compelling uh, influence on people and on society. And so today's celebrities serve as cultural prophets and even the religious philosophers of our day, whether you like it or not. And most often or not, uh, some famous actor or musician will carry a lot of weight with the religious influence over the average person. You know, we chose music over movies for this summer because people listen to music to to hear their story. It's something that we do, and in that process, many times we hear theology as well. And sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's bad. But like it or not, many people will never darken the door of the church, but they'll listen to endless songs with huge theological implications. And any and every generation in any culture can teach by telling a story, but for our post-literate culture, songs and movies are probably one of the most helpful resources actually for teaching. So as Christians, we can identify with music because some of the ideas and the concepts um, contained in lyrics are reflective of our faith. We could see that when we hear it. Artists and musicians, they compose songs that reflect their worldview and portray life assumptions. We can identify with that. Well, many of the songs that we, um, we hear, we may not lyrically um, affirm with the Christian faith, but they also bring us to, um, how you say, honest reflection. So again, it's, it's listening and critiquing to some degree and, and, and going through that whole process. Because, <coughs> excuse me, without question, there is power in music and song to lead, as we looked at last week, uh, to lift, uh, to express love, however, but we when we fail to use this power in a positive way and we allow the discords of life, which are very real and very powerful, to, to drive the negatives of life out in song, it, it affects all of us around us. And what happens is we sing the blues, so to speak, right? Uh, we increase the world's discord. Uh, listen to somebody like o- Olivia Rodrigo. Olivia Rodrigo. Um, She's not even happy with a driver's license. If you know, you know. That's all I have to say. The song that we're featuring today, though, is Never Ever by the English-Canadian girl group All Saints. This is a four-piece girl group that was made up of the Londoners Melanie Blatt and Chasnay Lewis and two Ontario-born sisters, Natalie and Nicole Appleton. Now, we're going to the 90s on this song. So during the late 90s, they enjoyed tremendous success, especially in Britain, They achieved five number one songs. This one that we're looking at today, Never Ever being the first. Now, Never Ever was written by Lewis, and the song talks about the girl's feelings after a sudden breakup, and she is doing some introspection, and she's wondering what went wrong in the relationship. But the song is practically a church hymn. See, the irony of this song, uh, if you've already heard it, I trust you have, is how amazing grace is played underneath the entire song. You can almost sing it along with uh, the vocalist. Amazing grace, just there, in the midst of a dark time, 
and in this case, a breakup. So yeah, we know it's a breakup song. More pointedly, it's a song about being jilted unexpectedly. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's portrayed by a young and vulnerable person. And, and the lyrics are full of anguish. When you read through them, the, there's these feelings of inadequacy. There's these confusion reigns there. And I think many of us, probably uh, all of us in, in different points of time, have been there. Maybe you've asked the question, why did I get dumped, right? Or, you know, what did I do? You know, if only somebody would just tell me, you know, maybe we can reconcile if, you know, if I never do it again, you know, whatever it is. And so there's this reflection and there's this questioning. If you've ever been there, you know what, if you know, you know, right? So the song is down to earth. It's raw in its emotional content. And it also reveals a lot about relationships in particular, particularly those that, um, you know, those at a, a young age during a time where we're just coming to grips with our own identity and those external forces around us are probably at their most important to our sense of self. In other words, you know, we're really self-aware and we really listen to the voices around us. And, and if somebody is thinking of us in a certain way, then possibly it must be true. So you see this and you hear this reflective in the song and so besides the pain of rejection and abandonment in this song, uh, there's this other source of conflict that's there. And it's fighting against the idea that, that the failure of a relationship is a responsibility of just one person. You hear what I'm saying? Um, the standout line for me in the song, which I think serves as one of its hooks in general, is when she says, you got my conscience asking questions that I can't find. I'm not crazy, I'm sure I ain't done nothing wrong. No, I'm just waiting. And so this accusation is that she is the crazy person in the relationship. And that accusation is often laid at the feet of one individual in a relationship and many times in a breakup. And, and that's the basis why the relationship soured and uh, how other people should understand what took place. So she's, she's looking at herself and can't figure it out. And the, the song, it really, it starts off by uh, the singer owning the fault. But by the end of it, it makes it more obvious that uh, as she's thinking out loud, she is seeing things more clearly. Again, I'm not crazy. And that message there is, is that the, she comes to a place where she knows that she deserves the truth in this breakup and not simply being abandoned with no explanation as to why the relationship ended. So, the payoff in this song, the payoff in Never Never is, is that there's this real sense of emotional progression. Uh, with the spoken word, um, that introduction that begs for clarity, the questions that are being asked, that process of digging a way to find their own peace of mind uh, to a more assertive demand for the truth by the end of the song. But during all of it, there's two things happening. All the while, pain remains to be acknowledged, right? But there's also this sense of abandonment. And I'd even go so far as then you still have that undercurrent of amazing grace. Now, when you look at this song, and somebody said, this is dark. Yeah, it's a dark emotional song. It really is. Hardships, trial, struggle, loneliness abandonment are feelings that we all experience at one time or another. And it's almost, I would say, is almost as co common as breathing, right? 
And the question is, you know, not if, but when. When we will find ourselves, so to speak, in the pits of life, like in this song. It's going to happen. It does happen. When you think about it, and I think about people even in our community, some people have been abandoned by a father or a mother. If not physically, uh, perhaps emotionally. Some have been abandoned by a spouse or by a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And, you know, that can almost <laughs> trigger the, the sentiment of Taylor Swift, you know, we're never, ever, ever getting back together, right? But some parents feel abandoned by their children. And then, of course, there are children that have truckloads of resentment towards their parents. It's interesting. Some people feel abandoned by the death of the loved one, even if the death was completely unexpected. People feel abandoned by their employer when the employer is downsizing and restructuring, which means they no longer have a job. And so what happens is struggles with abandonment may manifest themselves in a variety of ways, including feelings of insecurity, um, depression, decreased self-esteem, a sense of loss of control over life, which I think almost all of us are going through right now during this pandemic, isolation, withdrawal, um, an inability to concentrate. I know that's one of the struggles that I have, and, and for some people, even self-hatred. So I went on the website for psychology today and therapist Claudia Black describes the ongoing impact experiences of abandonment in childhoods and how it can have on adults. And she says this, she says, abandonment experiences are in no way indictments of a child's innate goodness and value. Instead, they reveal the flawed thinking, false beliefs, and impaired behaviors of those who hurt them. Still, the wounds are struck deep in their young hearts and minds. And the very real pain can still be felt today. The causes of emotional injury need to be understood and accepted so that they can heal. Until that occurs, the pain will stay with them, becoming a driving force in their adult lives. So think about your life in a mo for a moment. Have you ever felt abandoned? Have you been forced to deal with it? Have you dealt with it? You know, can you relate to the lyrics of this song where she sings, Never ever have I ever felt so low. When are you going to take me out of this black hole? Never ever have I felt so sad. The way I'm feeling, yeah, you got me feeling really bad. Never ever have I had to find. I've had to dig away to find my own peace of mind. I've never ever had my conscience to fight. The way I'm feeling, I just don't feel right. You know, have you ever thought that maybe you've gotten over something only to hear a song on the radio or in your playlist? And uh, it triggers that memory, right? It reminds you that, no, you haven't gotten over yet. I think many of us have. Or maybe you're watching today and abandonment is a driving force in your life. I'll just say this. Trials come to all of us. We all do. We all have trials. And in those trials, there's always a sense of uncertainty. We never know how intense the trial will be, or we never even know how long the trials will last. And when we start it and when we're in it, it seems like they're just going to go on forever, and it seems like it gets more and more intense. And then we even get the counsel of well-meaning friends, right? That sometimes it causes us to wince when they look at us and they put their arms around us and maybe say, you know, you'll be okay. 
We want to believe that. We really do. But if we're honest, sometimes we don't even know if that's true. Because at that moment, we just, like, our feelings are telling us, no, that, that, that's not true. But what if there was something better for us to cling to? Better yet, what if there was um, someone to fasten our hope onto? See, the Bible teaches us that God not only offers us encouragement when we're in a difficult place, but he actually enters into the darkness with us to see us through. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis 37 and imagine the emotional to- uh, torment this guy by the name of Joseph must have endured. Here is this young guy, and uh, what has happened is he's pretty mouthy, um, says his mind, and he has these older brothers. And of course they beat him because they're tired of him. And uh, they felt dad was favoring him way too much than all of them. So there's a sense of jealousy. They beat him and then they sell him to human traffickers. Go figure that. And there's a whole story that follows after that for poor Joseph. And so here's a young man separated from his family, separated from his homeland. He would have felt alone, would he have not? When you think about it. And it's a surprising place for a man who's born into a family that's enveloped in the promises of God. Most notably, one of the promises of God is God's closeness. Now, here we have this young boy in a foreign land, cut off from his family, and it would seem as if he's drifting away from the view of God's blessings. You know, the family's way over there. That's where the blessing's happening, and I'm stuck in this pit. I'm stuck in a jail. I'm stuck in a hole. I'm stuck in this blackness. And it seems to be very much alone. When you're reading the story, this guy's by himself. And I think the writer of Genesis really wants us to see and to feel the bleakness of Joseph's story. You take the time and read it. Go over it. Many of us know it if you've grown up in the church, but go over it in Genesis 37. And uh, I think the writer is trying to show us, the readers, God's purpose in Joseph's life. Now, we might be tempted to conclude that, you know, from his circumstances that God was either angry with Joseph or had even abandoned Joseph altogether. And I think likewise, when you and I, when we encounter difficulty, we may think that God has disappeared, right? That God is angry with me, so therefore I'm suffering in this way. But what if the trials were intended to reveal something else? I know we don't like to hear that in our culture. But what if God means to show us the preciousness of his love while strengthening our faith through trial. See, later in the story, when you go on, we, we read these words in Genesis 39. It says the Lord was with Joseph. And it doesn't happen just once. It happens multiplicity of time. God did not abandon Joseph in the pit. Far from it. Actually, what we see in Genesis 37 and the story of Joseph is that God is actually with him. And what's more, uh, what was God? What God was doing in him during this time. So the pit wasn't was purposeful. It wasn't pointless. There was a purpose for it. And I think when we take a look at the scriptures with open mind, we're instructed throughout the Bible not to dismiss personal hardship as something that's bad, but instead, when these bad things come our way, uh, uh, with eyes of faith, we have to see beneath the surface. There's something going on. You know, where, where is God making us more like himself? James instructs all believers in James chapter 1. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, something that we must always remember when we feel alone or abandoned is that God is not only, God is also changing us through this, but he is also in it with us as we walk through it. So there's change and there's presence. The psalmist reminds us that God used tough times as a tool to make him obedient. The psalmist writes in 119, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. In in the life of Joseph, we see God working this type of change in him. You know, reading through that story, as I said before, we're struck by the moral compass of this young man. You know, where did he receive that? Where did he receive this training? How did God work in him the humility that, that trembles before God and clings to his promises? Let's remember that the younger Joseph, you know, he obviously lacked considerable tact. He also lacked humility, in my opinion, when he talks to his brothers about his dreams and interpreting dreams in Genesis 37, 1-11. And God humbles Joseph through these trials. But not only did God humble Joseph, he also showed them or showed him the preciousness of his divine love and faithfulness in real time. When we see that in Genesis 39, verses 21 to 23, the Lord was with them. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those he held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. You know, it's far from Joseph being abandoned by God in a pointless pit, right? Joseph was actually right where God wanted him. He was still a slave. And it was here in this surprising place that God worked to change Joseph. And even as he cheered him on, you know, God was with him. His presence was there. And when we read through and we consider the life of a man like Joseph, we're not watching another documentary on Netflix. You know, sure, there are facts and details to observe about that time and culture. I get that. But there's so much here in this story that we can apply to our own lives. And as believers, we are clinging to the same God who speaks to us through his word, who promises to work through all of our circumstances for his glory and our good. Because Romans says, and we know that in all things, God works the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we have to consider how powerful that this truth really is. That every circumstance that we find ourselves in, whether it's good or bad, is actually working together for our everlasting good. Now that's hard to to reason with sometimes. That our difficulties are not pointless, but they're actually purposeful. God is making us more like himself by them and through them. But God is not only changing us through these events, God is also with us in the events of life. And so what he does is he enters into our struggles and he cheers us with his presence. He shows us kindness. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. He refreshes us with his word. And we never sink lower than Christ can descend. We can never outrun his loving sovereignty, but he joins us, whether we're in the pit or on the mountaintop. But he joins us. Why? To reveal more of himself. Many times, though, the problem is is that we just don't see it. So what about you today? Maybe you are 
unable to cry another tear. Maybe you've been told that there are no more medical options for you or someone close to you. Maybe you're struggling in the midst of being comforted of shattered relationships. Maybe you're falsely accused. Maybe you're struggling to stand and you feel as whatever tragedy around you is like pulling the rug out from underneath your feet. Do you find yourself crying out to God for quick relief? But in the midst of your voice calling out to him, all you hear in reply is silence? As a matter of fact, the silence that's probably so deafening it drowns out every thought. Except for one, which is usually God isn't listening. Have you asked yourself, why does God seem so distant when I need him the most? Is that your story today? Has it been your story? Just allow me to give you perspective by providing a few principles to reflect on. I think first and foremost, what you are feeling is actually a common experience. You know, do you feel alone? Other believers have felt the same way. If you go through the writings of Oswald Chambers, Charles Spurgeon, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, you'll discover that they all knew the agony of this abandonment. They wrote about it. Even C.S. Lewis, uh, when he lost his wife to cancer, he called out to God for comfort but sensed no reply. And so, being confused, what did he pen? He said, what can this mean? Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so vast, very absent, a help in our time of trouble? So even C.S. Lewis calling out, where is God? But you don't need a large library to know the experience is common. You have a library in your hands. It's the Bible. The pages of the Bible, especially the Psalms, you know, uh, begin to express this. And as you read, there are several distressed cries for God to act throughout the Psalms. Psalm 6, verse 2 and 3, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Psalm 77, verses 7 to 9, asks, you know, did God forget? Psalm 83, 1, the author's trying to get God's attention, screaming at him. Psalm 22, 1, probably contains the most well-known example. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. These same words Jesus, is, Jesus recited when he was on the cross. And we read that in Matthew chapter 27. But there's a key passage in 1 Peter that should actually help us and may help you today in your time of distress. If you turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the 
proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I think what we have to do is we have to actually take some comfort in knowing that in sorrowful times, even in periods of feeling that God has withdrawn his presence, because that's a feeling that is, that is real. I can't deny the feeling. But that's actually an integral part of our spiritual experience. We ha- have to understand that God hasn't utterly abandoned us at all. Though you feel he has. And I think we have to remember that other believers have successfully traveled the path, the dark path that, that you are walking. And there are many who have completed the journey. Peter acknowledges that trials produce grief in believers and that grief is a common experience. He also touches on two further principles that will help you understand and patiently endure during your trouble. So maybe you're feeling distressed by trials, you know, with this whole COVID stuff. But, um, but maybe something else is adding to it, compounding the a- uh, aspect of what's going on in your life, such as sensing the absence of God's presence. Right? And that's something that can actually crush us if we think that there is no end. And so it's interesting because Peter recognizes that these trials come into our life, but he also gives us a little bit of hope. He says, our distress is only for a little while. Just a little while. In other words, you have to look at it this way. Our trouble is temporary. And God will not leave you in your distress forever. It's going to end. And it may not end as soon as you would like it, but it's going to come to an end. And once the trial has served its purpose, you will benefit from its results and regain the joy of your Heavenly Father's warm embrace. Peter also, when he's writing this, he actually anticipates a question. And usually that question is, well, why does a believer have to experience grief-producing trials? And, And his response to that question that's really not there, but I'm positive it's in his head. He says, these have come so that your faith may be proved genuine. So as, as one of God's children, you are promised his presence, even though for now you may feel alone and without help. But there's this aspect of faith. God, I'm taking this next step forward. And tucked into this life lesson today, tucked into everything about this life lesson comes a letter a verse from the letter to the Hebrews that includes a, an often either overlooked statement from Jesus or easily used but not held on to. And really, they are reassuring words of grace for all of those who have experienced abandonment in any way on any level. And if you turn to Hebrews 13.5, we read, I will never leave you or forsake you. You know, sometimes that's a catchphrase that we throw at people, but we have to stop and we have to ponder the importance of this passage. Because whenever you feel apprehensive about facing any uncertain future that is looming ahead of yourself, you have to ask the question, who is with me? Now, again, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, the one who is with you is not just this earthly companion such as a close friend, a guide, or a mentor. No, the one who is with you is Jesus himself who has promised, when you think about it, to never leave you, to never forsake you. And besides that, Jesus promised in Matthew 28, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. 
So that's an aspect of faith that we need to hold on to. This is very good news for anyone who has been abandoned, whether it's by a parent, a spouse, a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, a child, or an employer. You're not alone. Very good news for those who have found themselves stranded, though they've done their best to deny it. You know, Jesus' words to the abandoned remain the same. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that's always been true, and it's true now, and it's going to remain true forever. Because as you keep reading in Hebrews, uh, in verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we look at his ministry, throughout his early ministry, Jesus showed compassion to abandoned people. People like lepers who were abandoned by their family. They were abandoned by friends. They were even abandoned by society. The woman at the well who had been abandoned by several husbands. At the Last Supper, knowing his time with his disciples was drawing to a close, Jesus wanted to make sure they didn't feel abandoned by him. And he tells them in John 14, I will not leave you orphaned. He says, I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. He was trying to reassure them And yet later that night, Jesus was betrayed by Judas in the garden. And Scripture tells us that all the disciples deserted him and fled. Every single one of those disciples left Jesus just when he needed them the most. And even in his final moments on the cross, Jesus felt abandoned. When he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But his death atones for all the sin of both for the abandoned and the abandoner. Moreover, Jesus was not abandoned to the grave, but he was raised from the dead. He appears to the disciples, and at the Great Commission, he reassured them once again. Matthew 28, remember, I am with you always. And so what we have to understand, wherever we find ourselves, that what is true for the disciples is true for you and me. And no matter what happens, no matter what crisis we are facing, no matter what sorrow, no matter what trouble may come your way, God is leading and caring for us every step of the way. Jesus is speaking these words personally to you today. And maybe that's just what you need to hear. You are not alone. His presence is there with you. And whatever circumstance or situation in life, you know, you can find tremendous strength. You can find comfort in knowing that you are not alone. And since Jesus promised never to leave you or forsake you, He will be with you wherever you go, regardless how you feel. And when the trials of life feel as if they are just crushing you and pressing down on you, I want to encourage you today. When the trials of life feel like they have been rushing you know, you rushing uncontrollably down a river of despair, try to cling to the presence and the purposefulness of God. It's not an accident. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. You may feel that you're in a pit, but God is with you in your pit for His glory and for your good. And this thought, should and could sustain you and I and keep us going in whatever new or unfamiliar situation that we find ourselves in. You know, so the gospel is very good news for those of us who have been abandoned, 
That gospel is that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. And remember, God has never, ever done you wrong. There's nothing that on that last day, and when we stand before Him, that He's going to have to explain anything that will make Him blush. Maybe I can use that pithy statement. Everything's going to be okay. Maybe not today, but it will. Trust God. Hold fast to hope. He never fails, and He hasn't left you. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that Your love never fails. Lord, thank You that You promise never to leave us, never to forsake us. So help me to have wisdom to see clearly that just because I don't feel your presence doesn't mean that you, you're, you're not with me always. Help me have peace that comes from knowing the truth of your word. For me today, you'll never leave your children or that you'll never give up on us. God, help me to live a life that honors you and points others towards you regardless of where I find myself, whether it's in a pit, a jail, or on a mountaintop. And I just pray that you would remove the distractions in my life that keep me from your presence. God, I repent of any pride or personal idols that have taken me away from having you and giving you first place in my life and being completely yours. Take away, God, any lukewarmness in my heart and I pray that you would set us all on fire for you. God, maybe we have to remove the compromise and complacency in our lives. That we become clean vessels, bringing light in the darkness and carrying your presence wherever we go. So help us see you. Help us experience you. And I pray that you will make your presence known in my life, in our lives, but also in our city. God, give us faith to believe that you can change Winnipeg through prayer and through acts of love and compassion. My prayer is that you would let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and help me help us to cultivate your presence in my life, in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. In ancient times, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. Those receiving a blessing did likewise. So here it is. Soul Sanctuary, it's time to go. It's time to re-engage in the world. It's time to put faith into deeds. It's time to practice uncalculating love. And it's time to share boundless hope. And remember that in all things that you were not alone, Remember that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And so now go with the blessing of God in your mind and in your heart. And may God shine the light of glory into your hearts. May Christ be with you and never leave you. And may the Spirit renew the image of God within you. So as you depart from our parking lot or as you depart from your house, depart to love and serve in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now go. Go in peace and live the church. And we'll see you next week.